This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast that is remarkably today not really so much about things falling apart and is mostly about things, in fact, getting better and how we can do that. Um, I'm your host, Christopher. Uh, with me today is Garrison, and we're also joined by Nick and Max, who are two members of the artist collective Solar Punk Surf Club, who have released a very, very interesting new game that we are here in part to talk about called Solar Punk Futures. Um, hello, Nick. Hi, Max. How, how are you two doing? Hey, doing well. Thanks. Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, excited to have you two on. So I guess my first question is, how did you two get into game design and sort of first have the idea to do a sort of like political gaming project like this? It's a good question. So we're not, um, we're definitely not game designers by profession or trade. Um, we're members of the artist collective Solar Punk Surf Club, and we're particularly interested in creating artwork and social practice that prefigures these kinds of egalitarian futures that we'd like to see in the world. And so this game was something that we've been kind of a, a project that we've been thinking about and sitting on for a little while, and 
was kind of something that made us excited, got us excited. And we think there's a, a whole bunch of other reasons that we think it's a really cool um, project to work on, an important project. And um, yeah, so uh, we kind of took a took a deep dive headfirst into the world of game design and learning how to how to do that over the past year or so. Okay, so how about we? I guess also start with I guess explaining what Solarpunk Futures is and sort of how it works, and then we can get into the sort of political aspect of like the sort of game design project. So Solarpunk Futures is a storytelling game where players imagine pathways to a desirable future by collaboratively overcoming real-world challenges. The object of the game is to collectively remember one of the stories that grew into our utopia. Um, The idea is that through backcasting, where you assume within the context of the game that players are already in utopia and merely remembering back to their ancestors' struggle, that players can transcend the idea that what currently exists must necessarily exist, which social theorist Murray Bookchin described as the acid that corrodes all visionary thinking. So we wanted to make a system to facilitate collaborative performance, sort of a, we call it a collaborative performance of memory, but one that combines sincerity with laughter and speculative storytelling. The game also combines a lot of different elements that we saw in other games, um, collaborative, you know, collaborative storytelling, cooperative gameplay, uh, some elements of role-playing, and different kind of mechanics that we thought would build out that kind of, like I said earlier, those prefigurations of those egalitarian worlds. So we were trying to, you know, we we're trying to make a game that had the fiction and the idea of utopia built in, uh, in terms of the goals of the game, but it was also, we wanted to build it into some of the mechanics of how the game is actually played too. Uh, my, my question from here is sort of, well, I mean, I guess, Firstly, is I think what sort of specifically drew you to solar punk as sort of an aesthetic for for this? Like I know there's been a lot of sort of like the kind of social ecology solar punk fusions, but I'm interested in what drew you, you specifically to it. So we see solar punk as a visionary utopian politics and aesthetic that critically engages the reality of capitalist catastrophe while maintaining a radical optimism about humanity's hopes for a communal ecological future. Nick was just speaking to this. Um, We see it as a restorative justice process on a planetary scale among people between humans and non-human nature. So that means reclaiming pieces of the past pre-capitalist culture. Um, That means material accountability for old practices. And it also means radical adaptability towards new ones. I think it provided a a useful way of synthesizing several currents that we had already been thinking about and involved in between new media and social practice. 
thinking not just about images and objects in space, but also the set of social relations that those things produce. Yeah, we're also, we're like partisans within solar punk. I don't think there's, I don't think there's too many pro-capitalists within solar punk, but I think there are some people who are maybe drawn to the aesthetic, but don't necessarily have a politics. Uh, But we do think that there's a kind of a latent horizontalism, a latent anarchistic politics in a lot of the aesthetics around solar punk. And so uh, as a, as a collaborative, as an aesthetic that is being defined collaboratively by people online and, and elsewhere, you know, we wanted to kind of stake out a position about what we thought a really realistic utopian world might look and feel like. Yeah. And I think there's something else I know YouTube I'm very passionate about um, is about specifically using games as a medium to do this and sort of and this as like this kind of storytelling remembrance as a specifically political intervention. So could you talk a bit more about, the, you know, like, hey, yeah, you know, good questions like, okay, so why this and not on, you know, on the sort of less mo- like, like why this and not a guerrilla gardening or why this and not some other kind of organizing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I mentioned it here, dude, say about that. Yeah, well, I'm not going to hate on guerrilla gardening. I definitely it's, think it's a it's both cool. and situation. <laughs> yeah, um, it's also in the game. Yeah, that's true. It's it's one of the cards, uh, one of the tools that you get to use at, uh, <laughs> as an ancestor. Um, yeah, I think you know, there's a lot of different things that we were thinking about when we were thinking about why a game uh, that I got a little bit into earlier. But you know, f- for one, um, I think it helps reach a broad and often depoliticized audience uh, with a a fun way to kind of engage in some thorny political questions. I think that games as a participatory medium were especially interesting for people who are interested in sort of uh, anarchistic uh, modes of teaching and education, like education through doing rather than lecture, uh, although you know, we're, we also read a lot of good political theory, so I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. Um, and then I, I think, uh, you know, games are also fun and (laughs) there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, political organizing and activism work that happens out there that feels that's hard and that is necessary to do, but, just because a lot of the important work to be done is hard doesn't mean everything that's hard is important and everything that's fun is, you know, trifling or not going to help us get where we're going and, and overthrow capitalism and build a new world. So, um, yeah, those are, those are some of the reasons. Yeah. And I think that's especially sort of interesting point because I think, a lot of what happens in leftist spaces, you get a bunch of people doing stuff and they burn out really fast because, you know, you're doing an enormous amount of work. It's all miserable. A lot of the times you're getting physically assaulted. And like, I think that's one of the things that's interesting to me about this is you need other forms of sort of community building and sort of like, 
you, you need other forms of organizing that do not involve you being repeatedly traumatized over and over again. And that, yeah, the, and especially just working on something like this and then, I don't know, just playing with your friends and having, having things that are like collaborative and joyful and community building is, I think, very important as a way to just, you know, even just, this is on a very basic logistical level, but prevent people from burning out. Yeah. And, and I definitely think that there's a, a role there to prevent people from burning out and, and inspiring people with some of the fun ideas, the ideas that they come up with when they're not looking at a Google doc meeting notes, yeah. <laughs> but instead they're playing a card game and maybe drinking a couple of beers and they're like, Oh, how would I combine guerrilla gardening and, um, you know, performance art to bring about, you know, to solve a specific challenge of capitalism, like deforestation, or, or uh, these are some of the cards in the game. Um, and so I think it can be inspiring. It, you know, it's also, um, it can be educational. I, I played with some family. Uh, I think the first time I played when we got the physical copy that wasn't a play test was with some family. And they don't necessarily identify as leftists of any kind, but we had a really fun game where we explored ideas of deconstructing borders and, <laughs> uh, you know, th they were, it wasn't like I was guiding them in this direction. It was just kind of the assumption of the game that there was utopia got beyond this ingrained capitalist realism that there just isn't, that there isn't an alternative. And they're like, okay, well, the game says we're already in utopia, so that means there's no private property. And I was like, whoa, that's a that's a jump I didn't expect from my uh, from my family. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? 
why did the internet choose them, and what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time, and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. One thing I'm interested in, in terms of how it functions as a game, is like balancing the actual more, I don't know, fun-based like role-playing game elements with like its kind of structure as a thought exercise and like a world building game. Like how, how, how do you approach trying to get a balance of like fun role playing as well as this type of like reverse world building? I was kind of, uh, I was still a little bit on the, the why a game in the first place question, but I'm also intrigued by the balancing fun and politics question. If you don't mind, I wanted to go back to the sure. why a game. For just a second. Um, Because I think maybe it will lead into this. Yeah, yeah. Games are, you know, an ancient form of art. I know I said we work in new media before, but games are actually an ancient form of art. And I would argue social practice. Um, There's a game called Senate. There's a game called The Royal Game of Ur, which both date to... 5,000 years ago in ancient Egypt and ancient Mesopotamia, respectively. We did, a, in making the game, we did a bunch of research on the history of, of games. There's a 15th century game called the Game of the Goose from, uh, well, present-day Italy that paired, like, these gorgeous illustrations, also with, like, didactic moral instruction, in the early early 20th century, the Surrealists created a, a series of games hmm. um, with the intention of breaking through traditional thought patterns and uh, unleashing the, the potentials of the unconscious. They also wanted to subvert academic modes of inquiry. Um, and then today, you know, some of our most popular tabletop games, you know, you I think Nick was mentioning this earlier, how they can sometimes inscribe oppressive logics. So, you know, rather than a game where you're competing against other players to drive them into poverty or a game where you're trying to colonize other players' land, you know, for the purpose of world domination, we wanted to make a game that actually practices the cooperation, interdependence, care, consent, uh, these things that will be needed, you know, if we're actually to transcend the social and ecological crises of our day. And kind of to that point, you know, I would say that games always reflect the the beliefs and 
norms of their historical context. So with Solarpunk Futures, we wanted to kind of flip the script and um, project using, you know, the modalities of like speculative fiction, collaborative performance, as I mentioned, the the values and mores of a of a desirable future. So games are are very, you know, human thing, an ancient human thing. And why do people play games? Uh, as I mentioned, you know, education is part of it. Um, but also building social bonds is another important piece. And that always is a company. It's a very like academic way of talking about it, maybe, but it is, it is fun. It has to be fun. That's why people do it. Yeah. In terms of the, to get a little deeper into the balancing question, you know, every game is a balance between a bunch of different competing factors. There's a, a lot of people who were talk about the balance between randomness and planning in, in games and the balance um, between structure and freeform. And it's definitely something, if, if there's any game designers out there thinking about making, you know, games like this, playtesting will help you so much because, you know, the, the game in a rough form existed in the spring of last year, but playtesting really helped us refine a lot of those questions and find that kind of balance between structure and freeformness we wanted it to be accessible to people who aren't D players but we've also played with people who play a lot of D and gm and all this stuff and they took it in a lot of fun and wild directions that we didn't expect that helped inform kind of new ways that we could you know we added some optional rules in there for people who want to take it in a different direction or or add more complexity or or even, or for other people who who need a little bit of like a handhold and want to flip a coin to decide something rather than, um, you know, come up with it totally on their own. So I think, um, yeah, it's a hard it's a hard thing to balance, you know, all the different factors that go into a game. But I I definitely think playtesting and all the people who 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 played with us in those early games really helped helped us figure out the right balance. And to your earlier point about burnout, like activist burnout, um, some people who we've invited to play the game maybe have have expressed this idea of like, well, um, I I'd, I'd love to, but I don't have time. And maybe uh, maybe they they think of of gaming, and and I know I've certainly been guilty of this too of feeling like guilt over things that feel like an indulgence, like you should be doing the the real work all the time. But, you know, I think it's important to hold that in the perspective of the tradition of, uh, of feminism, civil rights advocates, others on the left that have talked about the importance of um, joy that needs to be integral to our struggles. There's the famous... Emma Goldman quip, if I can't dance, it's not my revolution. So perhaps, you know, these ideas of like guilt and shame or martyrdom or whatever need are kind of toxic parts of the old world that we need to to let go of. Um, so I guess this is kind of coming back to say that there's, as, as Nick was saying, there is an ethical prefigurative case of, um, of how games can allow people to... Um, express themselves through play 
but there's also a tactical one and that games can be a structured way of thinking about how do we create a liberated society. One other thing I think is sort of interesting about, well, I guess this is somewhat less true of tabletop games as a medium because tabletop games are a lot of sort of collaborative storytelling ish stuff. But like, I know like, like, so like I, I, I play a lot of video games, right. And it's like, it's like a lot of the structure of what gaming is, is sort of like, it, it, it basically just turns into like another job that you have. And it's interesting. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you know, and, and you get, you yeah. like, you get, you get the same, you, you, you even get like move like crossover between the terminology of like, like, you know, like, like I, I think like grinding is like you have a to grind. Yeah. yeah like I, grind. I, I, I think, I think yeah. that came from gaming <laughs> first and then moved over into the weird grind set stuff. But I, like, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and gamification, right. That's another way that like gaming is being, almost like weaponized by capitalism to get squeezed just a little bit more out of everyone. Yeah. There's, there's a really interesting article whose name I am forgetting because I am. Yeah. I, um, but Vicky Osterwal wrote it like a while ago. That was about how like games are like, it, 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 it's, you know, it's it's you sort of mechanically doing the same thing over and over and over again, but it's it's a problem because it's like it's it's labor that's like too perfect. Like it doesn't it doesn't create anything. There's no sort of like, uh, like there's there's no sort of like um, like aspect that produces like value that could be extracted. You're just sort of you're just doing the thing over and over again, and it's like, and you know, and then that, and that you know becomes a problem for capital in some sense is why there's all these panics about like everyone being addicted to gaming because it's like well okay you're not making money for us and I, but i think it's interesting Instead of playing truck simulator you could be driving some actual trucks yeah yeah <laughs> but you know i think it's interesting that I, I, th- this is a political intervention into that of creating something that's you know precisely the opposite of that that it's you know you're not sort of like it, it's not just like an incredible intensification of the sort of like reward systems of working it's hey we're going to come together and we're going to tell we're going to you know make collaborative decisions and overcome challenges and i think i think that's a very interesting sort of political angle to come at this from yeah i think a lot of a, a lot of tabletop games in particular compared to video games i think well i'll say role playing games in particular put you in a driver's seat in a way that I think can is is hard, right? Like sometimes I'm too tired to I, or if I think I'm, you know, I have a I have a D&D night and I'm like I don't know if I have the energy for this after working all day. Um whereas I might have energy to play, you know, a, a video game RPG that kind of walks me, you know, handholds me through a story. Um it's kind of more like watching more passive. Um but I do think that there's, I just think there's something so important about thinking through what it might be like to live in this utopian society. And it's important, I think, because if we don't, well, for one, a ton of people just don't even think about it. <laughs> um, and so to the extent that this game is something that gets bought or played with, 
families of people who are, you know, one of the many people who have been depoliticized in this country. Um, I think that can be really helpful. But I also think that um, I've played it and I've found really fun and exciting ideas that I wouldn't have thought about if I was staring at a power map or something and thinking, where can we intervene in my city to, you know, help, help solve this or that problem. So I think, yeah, I think there's power there. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was bought it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. 
and we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I think one of the other things I think is interesting to me about how YouTube sort of, sort of the team put this project together is that it's also like, you know, so like you can buy the versions of it that have like very, very nice art, but you also just put the cards and the rules up for free and you can just sort of print and play it. So I wonder, yeah, if you could talk a bit about the decision to do that. Democratic accessibility is really important to us. It's part of the concept that we wanted to integrate into every aspect of the game's production and distribution. And so, yeah, the whole thing is available as a free print and play PDF download. Um, it's all Creative Commons licensed. Um, so that's, yeah. And, you know, at the same time, as you mentioned, we we uh, are interested in materiality and want wanted to create um, something that could, could accompany, you know, a face-to-face interaction as well, which is, you know, frankly, well, I'll just speak for myself. That's probably more my interest. Um, even though I think, you know, like the, we have a tabletop simulator version too, which I think is really cool. But as far as the decision to make the game, you know, free, free forever, um, we want people to play. We want it to be genuinely useful. Um, this is not a, this is not a capitalistic business venture. Uh, <laughs> we're running a break-even budget and want to just keep doing projects and, mm-hmm. you know, elaborating like the solar punk tradition and connecting it to social ecological communalist politics. So if this can be a catalyst towards being able to do more of that, then, um, then that's, you know, we'll have, we'll have succeeded on our, on our terms at least. What's the status of physical copies? How can people, if they want to use uh, cards and stuff, what is how how would one go about getting those? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways. People can uh, download the free print and play if they like. Uh, if they really love it, they want to buy the physical copy. We sold out of the f- kind of first edition that we were able to afford to print. But we're raising money on Kickstarter for a second edition. Uh, so if people back us at a certain tier there, I think it's $45 or higher, uh, you get a copy of the game uh, when we're able to print them. Uh, and so, yeah, so it's a... Um, and of course, as Max mentioned, you can also play on Tabletop Simulator. Uh, but yeah, we're we're really excited about it. I think we're also hoping to take it around to some you know, political workshops, uh, probably on Zoom for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Um, ga- maybe game convention, tabletop game conventions and stuff. Uh, and also some art art shows um, t- t- be annou- to be announced, but uh, there's a couple art shows that we're excited to be showing it in. So, um, yeah. Yeah, one, one thing I'm really excited about in terms of playing this at some point is the... I think starting from the point of like you are trying to build the world now, you can really easy. It's really easy to run into ruts. Um, st- starting at the end point and then working backwards, I think because that produces that reverse type of thought, I think it's a little bit easier for it to find the path than 
just starting here and looking at the world and being like, oh, how do we do anything to make it better? Instead of being at the opposite place and being like, what's, what is the way to backtrack? I think can maybe give you some connections and ideas that you may not have had otherwise. Cause we're kind of always stuck in the now, how do we get to now better? So I'm, I would be very excited to uh, try try this out at some point and uh, and experience that backtrack thinking because I think it's uh, yeah I'm I'm really uh, intrigued with that specific aspect of the game because yeah the, I'm sh- I'm sure there's going to be a lot of solar punk games within the next decade probably um, and this is one aspect that I think actually is really unique and something that's not just intrinsic to solar punk um, you know it's something that's kind of been added on so. Uh, that's something I'm really excited about, and yeah, would love to love to uh, pick this up uh, soon. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, I think one of the things that we hope that the game does is help people break through that capitalist realism. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, there is no alternative. It's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism, yeah. etc. Um. And, you know, similarly, if you ask people to imagine the future, uh, it's very hard. Yeah. And, uh, it, yeah. and if they are able to at all, it is often extrapolating sort of the worst trends of today into a dystopian future. Um, yeah, I remember, this is slightly off topic, but I remember, so when, when I was in, I was in middle school or something, we had this assignment where we had to like write a, like write what our perfect like utopian society would be. And we like did it and like three quarters of the like societies people come up with were just like the worst imaginable dystopia. And it was just like, it's just such a really grim sort of. Yeah. If I was going to, if I was going to make what I thought was an accurate prediction of the future, it, it, it might be more similar to the first season of this podcast than yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the hopeful futures. But I don't, I also don't think, I don't think the door is closed on any kind of solar punk future. I think yeah. it's important. One of the important aspects that we included that, that is that makes solar punk different than just kind of vague utopianism is that we think we ask people to also think about the barriers they run into to think about, you know, what, who's, gonna, who's going to oppose you. Uh, if you're trying to, um, you know, deal with, uh, polluted water and you find some really great uh, system and improve a region's water supply, you know, Nestle might come in and buy the rights to the whole region, the whole watershed. So, you know, imagining those, that opposition, the material conditions that might change uh, and how you'd adapt to them. We hope that's something that people also benefit from uh, who play this game and, and, make some predictions about the strategic decisions that capital is going to make to oppose your, your utopian vision. And I hope there are more solar punk games. Uh, like you said, I hope there's a preponderance of solar punk art in the, in the next decade. That'd be amazing. And, you know, to what you were just saying, you're right. Solar punk doesn't mean the end of politics. doesn't mean the absence of conflict. Um, so I think we tried to integrate that into the game. What makes a good solar punk story is that it is plausible, yet distinctly anti-utopian, uh, anti-dystopian rather. Um, 
it you know provides a, a glimpse into a future possibility for say the reharmonization of humans with other humans, humans with non-human nature. Um, and that is going to involve some amount of opposition on the one hand and reconstruction on the other. In short, to to critique by building, as the slogan goes. All right, yeah, uh, plugs time. What do you, what do you two have plugs? <laughs> uh, so yeah, we have an upcoming uh, live stream on Twitch with Veterans for Peace. They have uh, some gamers for peace, and Tuesday night uh, on the 18th at 8 p.m. They're going to be playing Solar Punk Solar Punk Futures with us. Uh, if people are interested in the game, they can download it. For print and play on our website at http colon slash slash thefuture.wtf. Uh, and uh, people can also find the link to our Kickstarter on that website if they're interested in pre-ordering a physical copy, which we'd very much appreciate. We're, we're, we're getting close to funded. That's very exciting. I hope, I, hope, I, hope it, I hope it gets funded. I want to see more of these because the art is extremely cool and... Yeah. Well, thank, thank you to you for coming on. Uh, this, this has been It Could Happen Here, and we'll see you the next time an episode goes up. I don't know when that's going to be right now, so yeah, wonderful extras. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was good. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! 
Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.